Filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Colleen Rooney broke the internet. I, I mean, my internet worked all day, uh, but <laughs> continue. I, you, you were, you were. The, <laughs> you didn't the log on case. until three. Yeah. True, but 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 my internet was functioning for non-soccer bloggery things. Uh, it worked the entire time without problems. She she broke the soccer internet, and she broke much more than that. She broke the entire UK internet. She dethroned brexit as the most searched thing in the united kingdom <laughs> i had not heard she, that because of colleen rooney rebecca vardy was the most googled thing in the entire of britain That's um, awesome i mean the the story is everything like uh, colleen rooney going full veronica mars um and and becoming wagatha christie in the process um and i can not take credit for Wagatha Christie. That was somebody on on Twitter that did that. But this, oh man, if you haven't seen it, I don't know how you haven't seen this yet. Um, but Colleen Rooney told a story. She said, this has been bothering me. This has been a burden on me for many months. And she had a, a screenshotted note, essentially. Like um, that was incredibly well done. Like scene setting and and describing the strategy and the whole story was very, very well done all the way up to the reveal at the end. Um, but she talked about how somebody has been leaking her private Instagram stories to the sun, the tabloid in, in England. And she had a eventually developed a hunch on who it was and then went about blocking everyone on Instagram who had access to her private stories, except this one person to see if they would keep leaking. And they did. And so she she planted essentially three stories, um, including like some really controversial things like she and Wayne going to Mexico for uh, gender selection therapy, which is not legal in many countries, uh, but it's legal in Mexico. And that made it into the sun. And she made up a story about their mansion in Cheshire flooding and that made it into the sun. And so she's said, I know who it was. I have screenshotted and saved the pictures that show that only one account has accessed, has viewed these stories. And it's dot, 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 10 dots. Rebecca Vardy's account. Just very well done by her internet sleuthing. And um, it broke the internet. Like this was the story of the day. I had people in my office who do not watch soccer, had no idea who Colleen Rooney was before this, running around chatting with other people. It's like, oh my gosh, did you see this? Did you read this? What did... Ben, where were you when you learned that it's We'll all remember where we were when when (laughs) Colleen Rooney uh, revealed that Rebecca Vardy was uh, a snake. I know where I was. I was at my desk at work and I just like turned on my computer and logged on and this 
popped up on Twitter and I was just reading through it, dying at the various uh, tweets that people in the UK had come up with. Was- I had, I had just gotten back from dropping off my wife, wife's car at the mechanic because she uh, blew out her tire last night. And that's why we didn't record last night. Uh, but uh, I got back, which at, allows to us house. to talk about this. Yes, exactly. But I got back to my house at about uh, 8.30, 8.45 AM. And I had already missed so much, but there was still much more to see. Ben, would you say that your ordeal was worth or not worth uh, this news story being available to us to podcast? Because Adam framed it as if uh, uh, it was like a blessing. I would say not worth unless <laughs> uh, uh, Colleen Rooney wants to pay me $600. All right. That's fair. Uh, Colleen, she, if you're listening. Or uh, Wayne. Contact, contact through the podcast. We'll get you in touch with Ben. Uh, not to say that it's your fault. That no, ben, no, of course uh, not. But, uh, you know, it might have been Rebecca Vardy who, like, sabotaged your wife's Fair, fair. Jamie Vardy, Mm. if you want to pay me $600, (laughs) uh, I'll also take that. Yes, please. Uh, Any Again, any of you um, extremely famous professional soccer players and or spouses. uh, Feel free to pay any of us any non-zero amount of money. At filibuster DCU. Hit us up. (laughs) (laughs) Collectively, individually, you know, I won't hold it against you guys if, if... Wayne Rooney or I mean, let's another soccer ben player decides care to of first. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the black and red United and give us money. And, and Rebecca Vardy's account <laughs> podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They're Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from black and red United.com. We talk about DC United. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, scoreless draw. Yeah, scoreless draw against Cincinnati on Sunday. Decision day to end the season. Not great, Bob. Um, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Later in the week, we'll have another episode. It will be an all Twitter box episode. Uh, we're going to record that in a little bit. So stay tuned for that later this week. Before we do anything, though, Benjamin, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a bourbon Ricky. I'm doing just bourbon uh, uh, soda water. Uh, lime juice. It's pretty good. I want, right. I, I want, I wanted to cling to the last vestiges of summer, even though it's not summer anymore. It is solidly fall. Yeah. I've got a Marg, uh, some Zappo pen, hundred mm-hmm. percent agave, uh, reposado tequila, along with, uh, some fresh lime and some triple sec. Where'd you get those limes? The grocery store. Oh, you've missed the joke. Our old limes from limes. Limes. Oh, yeah, I got these are top shelf limes. The lime juice came from limes. Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What I've learned from listening to podcasts is the inside jokes the listeners mostly understand and the people who talk a lot don't (laughs) understand their own jokes or they don't remember them. Um, Everything I say is gone the moment it leaves my mouth. Um, 90% of the time. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Jason, are you drinking top shelf limes? Uh, no. Um, are you drinking goats? No. Um, uh, I don't have any alcoholic goat fluid, um, of any kind. <laughs> well, so there's the title of the episode. That's a thing I can't drink, uh, currently and have no plans in the future to be drinking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought about, I actually, it's funny cause we're kind of, I kind of, thought about a margarita 
And then was like, ah, it's a little too chilly. Maybe I want something with the bourbon instead. And I was going to make a, a um, an old fashioned, but I put I made the mistake of putting my large um, single large ice cube in before I put in um, anything else. And the ice cube kind of takes up all the space in the glass, and so you can't really mix your um, simple syrup and bitter, so it would just no, sit in the bottom. So instead, uh, I went without those things and just poured the 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 other ingredient in. So I have a Pikesville rye on the rocks, and that's it. On the rock, yes, one single significantly sized rock. Um, also, Pikesville rye. I don't think they make it anymore. But if people that know bourbon better than I do, if you know differently, or if you find a place that has a bunch of it, please let me know because it's my favorite, and apparently it's not going to be around for much longer. Um, and, uh, I don't have a stockpile. I have half of a bottle and that's all I have. Well, now I'm sad. There are other good rise. It won't be the end of the world, but, um, I've, I've heard that they are not going to make it anymore. And I hope that's wrong. Well, speaking of sad, mm. DC United nice. closed out. Thanks. Thanks. I, l- I love segues and I love t- commenting on, on segues. Yes. Stopping the segue. To that tell is you apparently... That is the, that is podcasting's favorite thing is commenting about how good their segues were. Yep, and we are we are three white men, which technically makes us a podcast. I mean, None that's a collective beard, though. That's a that's the collective noun of three of white men is a podcast yes. of white men. Yes, yes. Um, that's well established, Ben. But I, I do want to be clear: we're the, we're the genre that doesn't really have a beard. Yes. None of us is in a basement. None of us has a beard. Two of us Probably have children. Even the morning. Anyway, DC United uh, closed out their 2019 regular season in disappointing fashion on Sunday, drawing nine-man FC Cincinnati 0-0 and falling to fifth place in the process, uh, falling out of a guaranteed home game as a result. Uh, Not a lot of ways to sugarcoat this. In fact, I might go so far as to say there's no way to sugarcoat this result, just not an acceptable uh, way to end the season for a team that had a chance to host a home game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just the, I mean, coming into the game circumstances free, this was a like, okay, you have to win this game. Um, doesn't matter what happens during the course of the game. Doesn't matter how bad the ref is. Doesn't matter how well Cincinnati plays you go, you have to win the game. Um, the fact that the game started really well and then kind of, they kind of got away from DC quite frankly, before the red cards, that was irritating. And in fact, at the end of the night, when I was driving home, that period of the game, that like second 20 minutes of the first half was more irritating to me than anything else um, because they kind of let this game settle into a rhythm that was not what they needed. Um, And if you have two red cards in an insane moment uh, that uh, is extremely unlikely, we probably won't see something like that for like five years of DC United games. Um, you should stumble into a goal at some point. Um, And the fact that they didn't really come that close to stumbling into a goal. uh, There were very few chances that were even like, well, that was a decent chance. There's a lot of taken shots from 25 yards that got blocked. They had uh, 12 shot attempts blocked, um, which I guess I'll, I'll save my comments on that until we get further into the segment. But yeah, this, uh, this was real bad. Uh, There's no, there's no way around it. It sucked. Down two men, FC Cincinnati basically did to DC what Vancouver did earlier this year and what DC United did to the LA Galaxy earlier this year. They just 
went into the low block uh, and and encouraged the cross. And DC United obliged, uh, putting in more than thirty crosses. Um, they they did enough that they should have won if anybody could finish. Uh, I, they had two point seven expected goals. They had thirty three yeah, shots. Eventually, that's why it, it's two point seven expected goals because it's thirty three shots, not because right, they it, took good shots. It's just that through chipping away at little, you know, point one, point one, point one, um, you stack them up. Yeah, it's still even like it's they had a couple of chances that if they put it on frame or don't put it directly at the keeper, I think we they made the keeper make one good save. And that was Paul Areola. Um, They just couldn't put anything on goal when they when they did create a chance. Um, Lucho Acosta put a put a a couple right over the bar. Um, yeah. behind the goal. Uh, one of Lucho's actually did like a really weird, um, it reminded it, me of like a pinball trick shot in which it got up over the bar, but then continued swinging wide before it curled down the tunnel towards yeah. the locker room. But the tunnel faces at an angle away from where Lucho was sitting or shooting. It would like, if he did that in a trick shot video, it would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but this was a soccer game. And so it was not that cool. He basically kicked a knuckleball. Yeah, it, it did some uh, magic ball uh, nonsense that it would have been better if it just went into the goal. <laughs> if Segura's goal has had stood like on the, the free kick restart after the, the red cards, immediately after the yeah. red cards, Segura scored. He had a toe offside. It was the correct call. It was rightly disallowed on VAR, but it was also very, very narrow. Um, right. It's, it's like literally the length of his foot. Um, I, I think even the less, like frame. the link of his big toe is what um, it looked like on replay to me. Yeah, if, if that had gone in, I think Cincinnati would have fallen apart completely. Yeah, uh, we would have been talking about four or five goals minimum. Um, but it didn't go in. And I think DC got this assumption that this game was going to be easy, that it was just going to things like that were just going to happen repeatedly without even having to do all that much. Um, and they just settled into this pretty miserable pattern that was slow and predictable and the end result kept being the same kind of thing over and over again. Yeah. They, it it was funny. I actually saw conflicting complaints from the fan base about this. I had people around me and we upgraded to the bougie seats in the club for this game because we had a lot of fam from the various games we couldn't go to, including the friendlies this year. Um, and a lot of them were, were just saying, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. Every time the, the ball got within 30 yards, it was like going to a Caps game 10 years ago. Uh, just shoot it all the time. Um, and people accusing them of trying to walk the ball into the net. And then you have other people online talking about how the team wasn't brave enough to or patient enough to, to work the ball around. And it, it's a little bit of both. They tried shooting from distance, but not when they were open, as Jason alluded to with the blocks. And they didn't have the confidence or people off the ball weren't making the right runs or any runs at all. As far as I could tell a lot of the time, you you know what it reminded me of Um, in my lifetime of being a, or fortunately being a procrastinator. It reminded me of the various times in my life in which I have put something off too long and taken too long to get around to it and been too slow about it. And then I realize at the last second, I have to get something done and I scramble for a not that great outcome. And this was kind of like that DC's buildup would be so slow and they would never get Cincinnati out of position, but they would walk the ball up the field because Cincinnati was allowing it. And then in the moment they had to take their time and be a little more composed in the shot, 
that's when it would be rushed. And the outcome was always yep. these rushed shots over the bar. When if you're giving up 12 block shots, that means that you're predictable. It means that the guys diving in know what you're about to do. do take a fake, like a, a simple fake. The uh, the way this team is set up right now, I feel like with Paul Areola in that uh, number 10 role, I feel like they're very good at uh, uh, creating chances and pressuring teams that also want to move fast and also also want to be on the attack. But when uh, your when your opponent goes down uh, two men for an entire half, uh, this team isn't built to break that down right now. Uh, Ulysses Segura, Titi Rodriguez, and Quincy Ameriqua right now aren't the players who are going to be able to break down a compact low block. That's just not the way this team is built and not the way their skill sets are currently built. Uh, so if it had been a team that was more open, more on the, uh, and they could hit them on the counter, maybe they uh, can make more space and, and create more, but this, th- that situation is not what this team is built for. And so paradoxically, when Cincinnati went down those two men and was forced into that, uh, into that compact situation, it, it actually played right into DC United's weaknesses. Well, what was funny too is uh, speaking of paradoxes, Ben Olsen made his subs much earlier than he tends to, but also probably not early enough in this because when you you know that Cincinnati, there, Jason, you you mentioned it last week on the show that they're much more organized and much better defensively than they their their record indicates. They under the under the new coach, yeah, under their new coach. Better. Yeah. Um, and there was no way they could get worse because they were literally the worst defensive record <laughs> yeah. in MLS history. Yes. But that's not like they are more organized. They are better than that now, um, which isn't necessarily to say they're world beaters or anything. But, you know, they're that not they, a very they, talented team. Right. Uh, but, you know, that they can keep things organized in the back now in a way that they couldn't the last time we played them. And you know that they're going to just drop into a low block down two men on the road and just try to play spoiler because that's what they've been doing for the last two months. So why you don't put Acosta in at halftime instead of waiting 10 minutes, why you don't put Hara in at halftime or just after halftime, if you, you know, that fullback position is where you're going to need some passing. Um, why you take Felipe off instead of Canaus there. Um, I don't fully understand Early in the game, Segura was probably the most dangerous player on the field. He had the goal called back for offside. He had another shot hit the post off a deflection. Uh, if TT Rodriguez sees him half a second earlier, he has a tap in on another breakaway early in the first half. Um, Segura was on it on Sunday, and I, I, he got kicked in the groin pretty hard by Joe Zhao, but that might have had something to Which, do with removing him. But I don't uh, know. I mean, after the game, I, I specifically asked the question about of Olsen. It wasn't about why why did you give that first 10 minutes up? I kind of understood the logic of that, the, the idea that it's nine men. The team I have on the field is good enough to score on nine men. Um, so I, I kind of understood it. I would skew towards making my subs earlier, um, but I understand. I don't think it's that uh, terrible of a choice. Um, but the question I asked was, obviously, the three subs were based on boosting the attack and adding some different elements. What went into choosing the players that you withdrew? 
Um, and as as happens sometimes in in post game conferences or uh, post, yeah, you know what I'm saying, um, press conferences. Um, sometimes it's hard to read whether the coach is opting not to give you the answer uh, to your question and is sort of answering to the side of it. And sometimes it's that your question might not have been completely understood. Um, I don't know what is the case, but Olsen's answer was much more about um, why he brought the players that he brought in, um, which, you know, Adam, you just laid out why you would bring those guys in. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know why Kamara was the third sub, by the way. Right. Um, Also, I wanted to know, but I wanted to know, you know, did Segura actually get hurt? You know, maybe they brought him off because of the kick. Right. Um, Did um, was Felipe brought out because as the tempo setter, on the field at that time, he was not doing the job. Um, that was my theory, but I wanted to hear it. And, you know, unfortunately we didn't get a good answer. We got an answer about why you'd bring Lucho and Hara in. Um, and with Kamara, the wait until the 69th minute was based on um, 20 minutes was all they wanted to risk for this game. Yeah. They did not want to go beyond that. That was a um, pre-planned sub and, regardless of well, how the game that, was going. And and apparently twenty minutes was like they they had they had a range in mind and twenty minutes was the very maximum. Um, so you could tell from Olson's answer that they felt like they were kind of stretching Kamara to even go to that. Um, Especially with all the extra time because he got right. closer to twenty five minutes, half an hour right. with the extra and time. And so they were very mindful. So that one he did explain that one to a certain extent. The the question I would have had about that one was you know is this all Kamara had or is this all you wanted to risk um, in this game? And the answer was, yeah, this was the maximum. But unfortunately, I didn't really, you know, we didn't get an answer on why it was Segura. We didn't get an answer on why it was Felipe. Uh, we got an answer on why it was Acosta and why it was Hara. Um, but those were kind of, you know, that was kind of what you would have expected, that um, Acosta, his skill set is built towards a team that plays like that. Uh, Hara playing right back in a game where the other team has just completely dropped off and has no one wide pressing up high is going to get a ton of touches. So that stuff made sense to me. Um, unfortunately, we don't know what went into bringing Segura out of the game and bringing Felipe out of the game. And also just the, the, the form factor where uh, Acosta's form has been uh, struggling for, for a while now and Hara's form has been struggling for a while now. I know they're the only people that you have to bring in, but it's, it's other compounding factors into this situation. Yeah, Lucho, uh, I think we have to say, Lucho did not seize this opportunity. No. Um, no. As much the as I would like to say. The last couple of appearances, he, he's done pretty well when he's made it on. But right. this game, he, he um, had some chances. And if he, he puts them away, then it's a different story, it obviously. It wasn't a lack of engagement. Um, he just wasn't able to execute. Um, yeah. There were a couple yeah. moments where he he got that one-on-one isolation that you would want. And I think I think the very first one that he got, he just got um, I can't remember who was marking him. I think it was Caleb Stanko, um, but he put a move on and Stanko looked at him like that. That's the move you've got. OK, and then poked the ball away very easily. And it was like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen someone dispossess Lucho so easily in the entire mm-hmm. time he's been here. Um, right. And now, granted, that was like an extreme example. Um, the rest of the time he came closer to breaking through, but he still he just looked slow. Um uh, slow of foot, uh, which is not usually the problem. So um, I don't know if he's just rusty because of the lack of time or, or what or he's just done. There, but, um, yeah, he it might could just be. be mentally done. 
I mean, it's hard to, the thing is, it's hard for even the most professional players to stay engaged when you know, you know, my contract situation is not resolving itself. And he, he's said over and over again that he's leaving this all with his agent. He's not dealing with it during the season. He wants to focus on the soccer side, but you know, that's one of those things that you tell yourself, but you can't realistically keep that. You can't compartmentalize that. Well, it's going to creep in. Um, and this might've been, I mean, I hope not because if DC is going anywhere in the playoffs, he's going to have to be a super sub. We know he's not going to start at this point. I think that's established. Um, but he's going to have to be effective. Like they're not winning MLS cup without Lucho turning one game at the very least. Um, so I hope that this was not what's going to be his level of performance going forward. Um, but yeah, this was, it was rough. Um, and it wasn't that he wasn't trying. It was that it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, not that they, uh, actually changed the result, obviously, although maybe it did the way Ben said earlier. Um, any questions in either of your minds about the red cards to Joe Jow and Roland Lamar? Those were two stone cold red cards. Yeah, I mean they had they had to be. Um, yeah, Lamas especially when Lamas like I watched Lamas happen. He yeah, like Felipe was chirping at him and Lamas was ready to go before yeah. Felipe said anything. He was ready to go, and Felipe just kept saying something quietly and very still. Um, but in whatever way Felipe does, he got right under this his is, skin and this into is his the head. Felipe experience. Yeah, um, but this this wasn't Felipe going in on Fabian Espindola, this was him just chirping. And no, but this is, he's a provocateur on the field and you don't always have to kick someone to provoke them. And if the other team is angry about a red card and they're also generally angry about the season that they're having, because if you're, if you're a Cincinnati player in that game and you go down a man, uh, yeah, you're going to be, it doesn't matter how, right or wrong the call is it's just like you got to be kidding me like this is going to happen in our final game mm-hmm. of the season this is going to happen um so yeah that you know that they're mad and felipe is maybe more attuned to so- when someone is real mad than almost anyone yeah. else on earth um and but also yeah. his teammate quincy ameriqua and i feel like that oh was their, God, the two of them that was, that was their goal that was their goal p- playing both of them was to get them down a man and but the rest of the players they had on the field couldn't uh, couldn't capitalize on that, and so well, that, neither that, could those that's two. <laughs> a, well, you, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I include them in that. Like, it, it was the quandary of you you put the provocateurs on the field and they did their job, but then the soccer side of it, you they couldn't make it happen. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I I, I was surprised Lamar didn't try to smash Felipe's head and he just went for the hands to the throat and the push um, because he was, which now has to be like, as soon as you go hands to the throat, it doesn't matter how hard you go in. Yeah. The precedent is there. The, the the rules are very like black and white on it. And it's like, if you put hands to the throat, it is a, it is a red. Um, Yes. It's kind of, it's kind of sad that Gantar needed the uh, monitor. Um, Well, it, it happened behind his back. Okay, but he has uh, three other officials. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe it's not Gantar's fault. It's the officiating crew's fault as a group. Yes. Um, they should be telling him that before VAR is like, hey, man, um, while you were looking over here, there was like a whole scuffle with most of the players in the game. Yeah. Um, that I wonder missed. if some of that is their knowledge that VAR is there. So they, they can say, I, I saw this. You're going to want to check it out on VAR right. um, um, instead of saying, give the red card now. Well, I except mean, a couple of weeks ago, they just didn't do that at all. But also, like the fourth official is like five yards away. Is, yeah, is, 
stuck on this. It should be like a, yeah, it's hands to the throat. It's, it's a red. Um, yeah. This one, you don't need the help from the monitor, no, but I agree. Whatever. They got it right. Eventually it took too long, but they got it right. Yeah. Um, as, as for Joe Jows, uh, he, his red card came from challenging for a ball. Um, I don't think he went in with malice or intent, but yeah. he, he got his studs up into uh, Ulysses Segura's groin. And that's yep. not okay. It, it, and and super to the point high. that it ripped, ripped his shorts. Yeah, literally ripped the high. inside, the inseam of of Segura's shorts. Like it, it has to be a red at that point. Yeah, um, and, sure. and yeah, I don't think I don't think he was going in. I think he was just trying to get the ball, and I don't. I think he just did not realize where Segura was. Yeah, um, I think this is. The- there was one early in the year when uh, what was it against RSL when Lucho took a boot to the face. Yeah, guy trying to play the ball just gets his foot in the wrong place, not aware of where the opponent is, and right plays with a which uh, endangers the safety of an opponent, which is a red card. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's one of those where um, in the moment you probably feel hard done by because you're like, I was just trying to play soccer, um, but for player safety reasons, you have to have you know you have to give up. There has to be a consequence for a play that is reckless like that, even if it is just I didn't know you were there. Um, your, your job, part of your job is to know where the guys are and not do that. Um, so yeah, the, as far as that went, um, you know, I, I think Gantar did fine overall there. Um, the second half, I think he just had no concept of understanding what time wasting is. Um, which he he uh, did something good in the first half too. something else good in the first half where, uh, there was an obvious yellow card and he let the advantage go. Yes. He came DC United turned it over and it went back. And then as soon as the play stopped, he came back and gave the yellow card, which so few refs in MLS do. And so a lot of, a lot of referees in MLS do not, they, they botch advantage. Uh, they get a little too eager to make the call straight away. Yeah. Um, Although in this case, the advantage didn't really develop. So it's no. it's arguable whether he should have given the, the advantage. But the fact that he came back and gave the yellow card after the play ended is something that most MLS refs get wrong most of the time. Uh, so that was nice. But yeah, in the second half, he, the time wasting was wild. And I actually repeatedly compared it to uh, old Champions League. I think I tweeted mm-hmm. out that this felt like a game against um, uh, Marathon from back in the day. Um uh, but you know, you've got nine men. Like, I don't, uh, I don't think you can get mad at since, I mean, it can be frustrating, but, um, no, they're doing should, what they're doing. It's you should score a goal against it. nine players in soccer. It doesn't matter how much time they're wasting. Um, you should score a goal or maybe like three goals, uh, instead of zero. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I found myself amused if anything at their time wasting, um, the variety of it, the fact that, we had Teton both um, stalling over goal kicks, getting a second ball on the field. Also, at one point, holding his head uh, in an incident where his head was never even close to contacted by anything. Um, the the variety of time wasting I thought was uh, uh, charming in its way. Um, it's just that the fact that that was D- like DC just started getting angry about that and not like, hey, we, it's still zero zero. These guys only have nine men and it's the worst team in the league. Um, I'm mad about that instead they kind of lost their focus. So um, I got to say, I give some credit to Cincinnati by getting their opponent you know, in the same way that Felipe got Lamar to do something terribly dumb. Uh, Cincinnati kind of got DC to lose their focus on what was actually supposed to be done right now. And instead they were focused on, Hey, this guy's not taking a goal kick fast enough. Um, instead of being like, we should score a goal in this game now. 
Yeah, they got disunited in their own heads about like wh- what uh, perceived uh, slights that uh, Cincinnati was doing when disunited should have just concentrated on their own performance, which they did not execute. So in a couple of weeks, well, week and a half at this point, DC United will go to Toronto. Unfortunately, uh, that game will not be here in the district. They'll they'll play. They'll be the five seed at Toronto, who's the number four seed. Uh, if they win that, they've got a few days, and then they go to NYC. If they win that, who knows what happens? Um, but they, they'll probably they could, be on the road. Yeah, they could they host, could host but, but it would it involves um, the Red Bulls, who are very inconsistent right now. Or the Revs, who have no place being in the playoffs, uh, getting to that stage. Not going to happen. I mean, given MLS history, the Revs making the conference final is is even money probably right now. I mean, I think the Red Bulls, the the Revs just are not good enough at soccer. No, Um, I mean, just that's what happens in the playoffs. No, normally it's the erratic team that gets there. Um, The Revs are not erratic. They just don't have enough good players. And despite everyone talking about Bruce Arena's amazing turnaround, they just finished seventh in the East because the rest of the East was worse. Um, it's much more the one of the one of those bad teams had to get in than it is Bruce Arena turned this team around. They haven't been that good. They mostly just get draws. They just don't lose. But their draws yeah. are wacky and silly, and eventually good teams are going to knock them out, and they're going to be playing the good teams. So, you know not. who is erratic? You know which team in MLS is erratic? Uh, is it? Most of San, the most of the East. San, San Jose yeah. Earthquakes. Everyone else in the East. I was right. I, all right, in the East. I was going to say DC United, pretty erratic. That's sometimes a good one. They, uh, sometimes they TFC. can score. Sometimes they can't. Yeah, yeah. TFC is very erratic because, and they're erratic in different ways because mm-hmm. TFC takes many risks and DC United generally does not. Um, but they find a way to be erratic anyway. Do, so. You guys, you guys remember the last time DC went up to BMO Field was the zero zero draw in which Toronto took like. Uh, 700 crosses and 30 mm-hmm. shots and could not score. Um, I was thinking about that earlier. And I, was, I just started laughing about it because it's like, we just did this on our side and now we might be doing it again up there in a couple of weeks. Hey Jason, yeah. do you think we can find Julius James to uh, d- <laughs> do a header uh, uh, late in this uh, playoff game? Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's available. That was a regular season game in Kansas City on a baseball field. So we want to save that one game. for, we want to save that one for the next round, I think. Because that's uh, a baseball oh yeah, to, field special. That's yeah, assuming we your... make the next round, Adam. You know, it, you, you're the one that picked Julius James. I'm just spelling out the parameters uh, of his his good luck charm. On according to Wikipedia, although we Julius, lost that game, <laughs> Julius James is playing. Uh, no, it was a draw actually, um, but they needed okay. to win. That's um, we, we should do a um, at some point. There should be an oral history of that game. Yes, uh, because I think that that'll happen this off season. Utterly insane. Um, but anyway. Uh, I, According to Wikipedia, Julius James was playing for FC Motown, uh, who is in the NPSL and has made some noise in the last few Open Cups. Um, they're a North Jersey uh, semi-pro team that a few guys like RJ Allen, uh, who used to be with NYCFC, was playing there. Uh, a few guys that are from that region of the world that just happened to have um, found themselves without a club. Um, so they've got some some names. They've got some guys that have been drafted. Um Et oh, we're talking so, about Julius James. You brought him up. You uh, did because no, of you. <laughs> Adam was spiraling. Ad- then I learned from you. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. All right. Say you're at work 
and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster talking about toronto the actual next team we're playing right oh, but we're going to talk about them next week with a, we with a, a whole, fantastic guest it's we have true. a whole big show yeah anyway do you guys have any thoughts now while we're still in the you know looking back at cincinnati uh, mode uh any thoughts looking forward to toronto for dc united I my don't. my main thought is that um and this is something that should be on united's minds for next year as well um, obviously they found some success, uh, down the stretch. I mean, as much as this result was so bad, we're still talking about a team that took, uh, 11 points from their final 15. They haven't given up a goal in an MLS record number of minutes. Um, there are some things that they have done that aren't bad of late. Um, but as much as, and Ben kind of alluded to this earlier, that this team is built to, get into transition games against other teams with their um, pressing out of a mid block and things like that. The problem is that the personnel that are in place that can play that way, uh, if Rooney is unavailable or if you decide to go with Ola Kamara instead of Rooney, um, the problem is at that point, you don't really have a chance creator um, in the mix. You have Felipe who can set the tempo, but obviously in this game, that was part of the problem. I think maybe the biggest problem uh, was the, the team's tempo and their buildup was just very, very slow and predictable. Um, but you don't have creators. You have people who can move really well, but you don't have that person that can see the runs. There was actually a moment um, not too long after Kamara came in, maybe 75th minute, where DC finally lured Cincinnati out of their block a little and started to come out on the break. And Kamara made a hard run down the channel between um, Garza and uh, Nick Hagland. And if Leo Hara had just seen the run and played a pass that he could play in his sleep in behind the defense, it's Ola Kamara one-on-one from 30 yards, like an MLS, an old school MLS shootout level breakaway. And he just did not see the run. He didn't see it at all. Kamara then, because he had to make a hard run, is now offside and now has, has to wait until the play catches up to him. And the attack broke down and slowed down and ended with a cross that was headed away. But if Hara had just picked his head up and seen the run earlier, and it's a thing that Hara normally would do, you're in behind. But this is kind of the thing. It shouldn't be one of those. It should be many of those. But when the whole team is guys that are good off the ball but aren't 
necessarily creating a ton of chances through their own creativity and that elite passing technique, um, you kind of run into problems. Um, and with Rooney, it's not a problem because he's like the playmaker, even though he's the forward, he's the playmaker with this set, this system. Um, but if Kamara gets, a is on the field, if Rooney has to come off for some reason, um, all of a sudden you don't really have a playmaker anywhere in that group. And next season, Rooney is going to be playing for Derby County. Ola Kamara is at this point slated to be the striker. Uh, they paid a club record fee to make him this, or I'm sorry, second highest fee they've ever paid. Um, to make him the number nine, but if he's the number nine and Ariel is the 10 and you have Yamil Assad, Lucas Rodriguez, Lucy Segura, um, Emmanuel Boateng battling to be the wingers, you don't really have a creator in that group. You have, well, guys I, would, I would hope, I would hope Go they're going to make some, I would hope they're going to make some significant changes in the off season. We, we, I don't think we can. Sure. Talk about talk about what project that much to next well, season, just because if 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 they don't make those changes, then we're going to talk a lot about that in the yeah. preseason and the beginning of the season and be very down on what they've done over over that offseason. Because yeah. I, I like a Paul, Paul Ariola at the 10 for what has happened this season and the way that this team is operating. But that cannot be the default going into next season. At right. that point, and it becomes a Red Bull style. The press is the playmaker. This is, and this is what I was going to get to is the other side of that is you, you have to commit like wholeheartedly to being a team that presses their way to chances, um, which is fine. But we've been talking about that possibility for several years now. And Olsen has not been willing to make that commitment. I think he doesn't want to make that. I think he wants to be if if the team is playing the the most attractive soccer and the best, the winningest soccer they can. I don't think he wants to be the team that just presses you to death. I think he wants to be a team that can break you down with their passing and creativity, um, which means you have to get somebody to supplement that group, um, which puts them in a spot. Maybe it's, you know, it's probably not Mesut Ozil, but I mean, maybe it is. Um, it's probably somebody else. It's probably someone. Olivier in, Giroud. I, I mean, it, I was thinking At about that this. point. You have to move Kamara out to the wing, right? What? Right, but Kamara scored 14 goals as a winger on a team when he was brought in to be the striker, and then they bought someone from the Premier League after he came in, and they said, oh, what are we going to do? And they said, well, why don't we try Kamara on the wing and see if it works? And he scored 14 goals on a Galaxy team that had no problem scoring goals. So, um, Or a 4-4-2. You could play an old old school uh, run the dang 4-4-2. Um, it, but yeah, right now, as is the Giroud thing is just the fact that someone in Vancouver said that DC is on his list of cities. He would be willing to live in, which is to say he didn't even mention DC United. It just was like, well, I could live there where Wayne Rooney lived. I could just move into his house. Right. Um, so we're that far out on that one. And Mesut Ozil rumor is mostly about the fact that there are some decals on one side of the stadium for his coffee house, which is currently is not a coffee house. It's the bike corral. It is um, the bike valet. And hopefully it's still the bike corral because people ride their bikes. Um, it's full most of the time. Yeah. I, like I ride my bike down there for about half sucks. the time. And I, can I tell you, driving in and parking in the media parking lot, it sucks to drive down to the stadium. The last like mile of that drive is just sitting in traffic waiting for one car at a time to be let into not even the where they park us uh, media lowlifes, but where they park the fancy people that pay uh, an exorbitant fee for parking. Um, Mesut Ozil, get your, you get your coffee house. Get your coffee uh, house out of our parking, uh, out of our bike well, lot. There's plenty of opportunity on that side of the stadium to build a coffee house somewhere. Um, I mean, there's also retail bays on the 
first street side of the stadium yeah. that have been empty for the entire life of the stadium. They were supposed to put a juice bar in at one point on one of them. And well, maybe, to- maybe Mesut Ozil wants his coffee house to be there instead. And that's fine. Yeah. Just don't take up the bike space. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Just put Mesut Ozil's bean juice bar in there. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but also steps, like, juicery and coffee. If he would like to play for DC United, he's going to have to take a lot less money and it's still going to be a ton of money, but that's, his contract is so high that a lot less money is still a ton of money. Um, Cause I guess he's going to become a billionaire at some point. Um, Coffee yeah, billionaire. This is definitely something DC has to address one way or the other. They have, it could be a situation where they find like a playmaking winger and Ariola stays as the 10, but it's more um, like Lucho 2018, where he was more goal scoring number 10 than playmaking number 10. Um, there are a, la- a lot of ways to deal with this situation, but you got to deal with it. You can't just say, well, let's, uh, you know, you either have to change the style of play or you have to acquire a player of a high quality um, to grapple with this problem because we just saw what happens when this team doesn't have um, Rooney available as the playmaker, regardless of where he lines up. He's still the the chief creator on the field. And DC didn't look creative at all in this game. Well, hopefully things go better against Toronto in a couple of weeks. We will talk about that game. Uh, preview it with with a friend of ours next week. Uh, you'll find out who that is next week. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to call this an episode. We'll be back later this week with a Twitter box. So please check that out when it drops. Um, until then, thank you for listening to this episode. Find us at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu at filibuster DCU plus our personal accounts, which are all in the filibuster Twitter bio, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download rate review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly though, please tell a friend about the show. Best way to get the word out. So please do that for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I spent this whole episode fiddling with new shoes while I wasn't talking. They're good looking new shoes. All right. (laughs) 